0: Welcome back to another episode of the Don't Wait for Your Wake Up Call podcast. I am Melissa Dealey, your host, and I'm here today with Sally Reed. Welcome, Sally, to the show. Thanks for having me. You are more than welcome. I'm excited for our interview today. But before we get started, I just want to share a little bit about you with the audience. So Sally Reed helps people with impossible problems, any problem, Her two near-death experiences made it clear that she has an enhanced connection to the universe and the ability to transform people's lives by manipulation of the energetic patterns causing the problem. And for the last 12 years, she's helped people who have unsuccessfully tried everything to solve it, yet somehow they know there is a solution to their problem. The world is made up of energy and is subject to change. So autoimmune problems, business challenges, and behavioral or emotional issues change incredibly fast with Sally's help. So I love this, Sally, and it's why I wanted to have on, have you on the show because, of course, the concept of the Don't Wait for Your Wake Up Call podcast is to empower people in their healing journey. And many times people are looking for different ways to heal. And they know that there are different ways to heal. And I know that's the type of person that's coming to me and the type of person that's coming to you. So we have a lot of synergy in the work that we do. But I would love you to share your story as to how you got into this work. Um, Well, to be honest,
1: um, backwards and kicking and screaming. (laughs) (laughs) Very often the way. (laughs) Yeah. Very often, no, I don't want to do this. It's it's really funny how the universe does conspire and force and shove and create this funnel where you just must go down. And I did resist heavily for a very long time to the point where it, I got tapped early. So in 2005, I was so resistant. At, there were, um, remember the swine flu back in 2005? Yes. yes. Well, I caught it and I was willing. I'm fighting in my head. No, I don't want to do what you asked of me. And I said, I promise I'm going to lay here and die. (laughs) So you don't have to make me do this. I'm yelling at God, right? Mm -hmm. And so. Do you know what happened like 1001, 1002, 1003? My 16-year-old newly licensed daughter walked in my room and went, oh my God, mom, you're blue, shoved me in the car and took me to the hospital. So after that, I went, okay. (laughs) It's not my time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. it, It basically, it became patently obvious that I had a very unique gift. And that gift was to be able to understand and see the literal rocks that are in people's way when they're on their journey. And they're busily climbing over those rocks when I, like some crazy giant, could just reach in and pick up the rock and just flick it away or show them the rock so they know the way around it, whichever way they choose. Because those rocks are there not only for lessons, yeah. But they're also there because we put them there and we don't remember doing it. Mm -hmm. And that's that's the whole deal. And that's what I do. I help people find the rocks that are getting in the way of their ease.
0: Right. And I love that you do. And I talk about this often is, do you want to choose the easy way or the hard way? And for people to know there is an easy way. There is an easy way. Because so often we choose the hard way and we have it ingrained in our mind that If it isn't hard, it isn't worth it, et cetera, et cetera. All of these limiting beliefs, not realizing the power of what we have in our own body or in our unconscious mind, in our higher self, and to be able to tap into that or get help tapping into that from someone like you to show the easy way and how quick it is and lasting. And it's not really me
1: doing healing. We're going to just stipulate Mm -hmm. that. I'm simply the docent, and I am the conduit, essentially, that conspires with the person and whatever unit of energy they're working with to, to have it be gone. Because I have, in my hubris early on, charged in and done my work, and then the nice person put all those nice little blocks right back in the way because they didn't know who they would be without them right so it has to be a collaboration it has to be an understanding of you know because we are sovereign this thing mm-hmm. here we're sovereign mm-hmm. and so we don't have to be subject to anybody
0: else's will absolutely not
1: yeah and... so that's what i've learned is to make it a collaboration in fact make it mostly the client's journey and not any of my own it right. has nothing to do with me You're
0: i just guide. i am the trusted advisor Yes. And that's it. That's what I consider myself as the guide. And I Mm -hmm. agree with what you're saying there is I can't do the work for somebody who's sitting in front of me. They have to come ready and willing to do the work while I guide them through. And that I actually
1: can do the work, but I shouldn't. Right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I can't. So I don't. I got them through. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's to it. them whether they're willing to do it or whether they're still gonna cling to the rocks over here and resist. So, yeah, I love that. So you have been through uh, an autoimmune disease yourself. I have. And I would love you to share that story because there's so many people out there that get told by the medical profession, you have such and such autoimmune disease. And you're going to have it for life for you. And here are the drugs that you need to take in order to manage it as opposed to giving them the belief. I see the eye roll, (laughs) giving them the belief that they can heal from this if they do the work.
1: And it's not even work when you think about it. For me, it was the opposite of work. Here's a, here's an example. Like I had this whole huge kit bag of musts and have-tos and shoulds and can'ts and don'ts. And that sucker was heavy. And I carried it up all the mountains I needed to carry it. And and as a woman in her 40s, you understand how we just plow through life. Um, when I was in my 40s is when I discovered this. And so I, it was mostly just taking the rocks out of the bag and then finally realized, I don't even need the damn bag. It's empty. <laughs> and then throwing it away. It was the deconstruction of all the muds, the, the musts and shoulds and have to's that helped my body to stop tripping over that stuff. Because autoimmune is just a symptom. It's not the disease. Mm-hmm.
0: It is. And yeah. Just for the audience's understanding, how long was that process for you? I realize it's going to be different for everybody. I did not have a trusted advisor. So right.
1: it took me a minute. Right. It did take me a minute. And it also took um a near-death experience on top of that. So I was getting sicker and sicker and sicker and sicker and sicker, as one does. And then I finally went to the doctor who promptly said, There's nothing wrong with you here. Take Viax. Because <laughs> so I was, I mean, like, okay. Remember, Viax was discontinued it because it kills you. Right. <laughs> And I had a combination of um, rheumatoid arthritis, RA, and um, leaky gut slash the food allergy problems. So it was the with
0: Rheumatoid arthritis.
1: Yes, they often go hand in hand. They do. And so that's what I had. And I went, you know, as God is my witness, this is not going to be my way forward. I don't believe it. And then thankfully I died and got to see the truth of what goes on in the energetic world. And I quietly, and to me, what it looked like was, do you know how when Ivy grows up a tree and you are constantly just pulling down big lines of it, mm-hmm. it to me, it looked like the unraveling of all those truths to find out what really was important and what wasn't important. And so I finally came to the point of, oh, crap, nothing's important. And then I had to quietly build it all back up to what actually was important.
0: It was a journey and it took a minute. But here you are. Yeah. (laughs) Recovered. How many years later?
1: Yeah, it's, um, I'm going to say it's 20, oh gosh, almost 30 years Yeah. 20, a good 25 years, because I'm in crawling well into my 60s now. And this journey started in 1999 when I was 41. Right. So it it was definitely quite a journey and quite an understanding and quite a realization of, I mean, like the new um, buzzword now is divine feminist power, but it's not really divine and it's not really feminist. It's simply power. Mm -hmm. It is simply. It's okay for you to decide and you just Mm -hmm. simply have to give yourself permission. And that's all it is. It's the permission we're waiting on because the power has always been there. You know, just like Glenda and the good witch, Dorothy, you
0: have always had the power to go home. You know, it's the same thing. It really is. And like you said, it's the decision. So often we don't know that we can make that decision, or that that decision is possible. But once That's we get there, sometimes we're resistant to also making <laughs> a decision. Well, it's because we're not sure what's
1: on the other side, and in our experience, uh, things we don't know can hurt us. Mm-hmm. And like here's a here's a wonderful example of what that looks like. Um, I rescue racehorses and have for many years, and often I find that this young horse has been in a stall for most of their lives without ever going out of their stall, unless they're being handled and touched and ridden. And so when I put them in their stall and then open the door to their backyard, they will stand in the stall for several days and not realize that they simply can walk out into the backyard. And then it takes them another day or two to understand that grass can be eaten. So that's the level of blindness that some of our shoulds and have tos and musts have created in us. Mm -hmm. We can't see that there's, it's all available. There's grass there. There's, there's the, the door is open. And I believe that's our yours. And my role is to say, look at that, look at that, look at that.
0: (laughs) And to remind people that they are safe Mm -hmm. when they're working with us. They are safe. They don't have to take that all of that time to figure that out. And You know, the unconscious mind is always trying to keep us safe and it likes to keep us in our comfort zone.
1: (laughs) And our comfort zone is often the devil we know and not the joy we
0: can have. Exactly. And so it's allowing yourself to open up and release those limiting beliefs that go with it and say, what's on the other side? What are the possibilities?
1: It's just, you know, it's, it's whether we're going to believe our lizard mind or our frontal cortex. That's all it is. Exactly. Exactly. Frankly, I'd like to have evolved a little past the lizard stage.
0: We're not there yet. Unfortunately, we're getting there though. More and more people are starting to understand this and you love sharing it. I love sharing it. The more we get it out to the world, people start to understand the power we have within that we're not yet accessing. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about the unconscious mind and how much, you have access to it. I would love for you just to share how you talk about that. The audience has heard me talk about it and I love my audience hearing things from different people because you always hear it in different ways.
1: Well, this is true. And I wouldn't even separate the minds. I would call it simply whether you are functioning or whether you are noticing. So when one thinks about it in this world often people who are in struggle like i am in the bottom part of maslow's hierarchy of needs and i must understand you know life is a struggle and lately it has been and it's all about getting the means and ways in order to have a shelter and food and be safe and we don't have the luxury of understanding that there's other things but I might say that's when we need it the most when we are in that struggle state because then we can instead of being down in the struggle and in the fight we can be up where the generals are looking at the fight and go oh those people are over there and they're not even paying attention to us why do we have to worry about them and this is and so what I would call what I do is helping people sort their their truths into actually true and not so really true, and completely level false. So it's the truth, to me, is the, the opening window to get there.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. So if you can give an example of what that might be like for guiding someone through that process. I know, for instance, and I love to say to people, if you spoke to other human beings the way you speak to yourself, would you even have any friends? Because oh, heck no. so much of what we listen to in our head is beating ourselves up and statements, worries that aren't even true. That's,
1: and it, to me, that is another symptom. What that is, is a symptom of your lizard mind trying to keep your uppity self in line. That, yes. it, it's simply a sim, uh, symptom. It's also a symptom of how you were spoken to as a very young child. Because yeah. you're going to parrot that without even realizing it, mm-hmm. and many of us were parented—I um, by the greatest generation, who were pretty rough, or Janet Gen- or Boomers, you know, because I was a Boomer and I tried to do better. But we're, each generation tries to do better, and in in that way, I'm saying, yes, we do speak to ourselves, but there's also beyond that by understanding. What we surround ourselves and what we tell ourselves, what we narrate to ourselves, is what we will see and experience. It's like saying that these are the glasses I'm looking at the world through, and you see how it changes
0: things. Yes, you've got. And them. so, for listeners, you've just put on some beautiful red glasses with yellow lenses. Yes, <laughs> which changes your view of the world. Those yellow
1: lenses. The yellow lenses will take take a cast. They, they discount the blue. Actually, they make right. the blue go away. Right. And so what I, what I do when I take them off, I'm seeing things as they are. And so the journey to do that is a very simple question. Do I really believe this? Is this what I truly believe? And when you stop in the middle of a self-deprecating sentence and say, is this what I truly believe? You in your heart of hearts cannot answer yes, because that is simply your lizard brain keeping your, your will in a manageable space. That's all it is. It's a symptom.
0: Mm-hmm. And I love to say that belief is also a choice. You make a decision. You can choose to believe it or choose not to believe it. Well, to there's end. a lot of
1: pushback on gaslighting in that one. And I'm not asking people to gaslight themselves. I am asking people to understand that there's another possibility. So Mm -hmm. uh, a good way that I I teach my clients to, when they begin to, shall I say, bullshit themselves into negative points of view, you simply say, do I really believe this? And what else could possibly be true? Right. So you add the and, what else could possibly be true at the end of, do I really believe Mm -hmm. this? And that will simply, you know, it's like saying, can I do something instead of how can I do something? It's the, right. and what else? Right. It's opening up the possibility. Yeah. You you want to open up the Finding possibility. Choice. Yeah. Cause your brain is going to be, oh, she wants to find the answer. Okay. Let's find it.
0: <laughs> exactly. And that's what we want for people throughout their life, wherever they're at, whether it's in business, whether it's in finance or relationship or in health, when you're working with coaches and practitioners, that's what you're actually coming for is the opening up of choice because you're in a place that's feeling stuck and you don't see the choices. It's true. And you're stuck and you because else
1: you've nixed all the choices. That's exactly. why you're stuck to begin with. <laughs> the you minute know? your little brain goes, okay. And then your, your negative brain goes, oh, shut up. You could never do that. You know? Okay. I don't cancel, want to do cancel, that. Cancel, anyway. cancel. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's true. Yeah. So our job, I think, as a trusted advisor is just like any other guide. I mean, like we're always going to look for somebody who knows more about a subject matter than we do in mm-hmm. order to have a guide. And so what we do, it, when you think about it, is not all that different than, say, um, a mechanic who's looking for a problem in your car or you know, a doctor, even a doctor looking for us, the reason for a problem, but mostly they're just treating a symptom, but we won't go there.
0: You're right. At least in chronic disease. <laughs> I mean, in, in they in, are, in, um, they're treating symptoms. Disease. Yes, doctors are great. And then very often, though, because our body is so miraculous and so intelligent, we'll say, mm, that didn't do what I was asking you to do by giving you the symptom. So now I'm so- going to give you another symptom. And another one. See if I can get you to pay attention and do what I want you to do. And you go back to the doctor and you get another prescription. And before long, people are on eight and 10 prescriptions or more with all of these negative side effects.
1: Yeah, it's pretty bad.
0: If you're enjoying my content and someone that wants to step into being proactive in your health and learning more, I would love to invite you to join my membership community. There's a link in the show notes for only $19.99 a month. You get access to all of my content, and there's a lot, as well as weekly calls that you can come and get your health questions answered. It's truly priceless. I'd love to see you join the community. Check out the link in the show notes.
1: And when you think about it, at least me personally, this is what my progression was. It started in my 20s with low back pain, because your back tells you you're carrying too much. Yes, it does. And then it moves to random joint pain if you've got RA, like knees, elbows, toes, ankles, whatever. And then it will move to intestinal distress.
0: (laughs) Because of course the gut is not happy, which is why you heal the gut in the process of healing the RA. Yep. And
1: then it will move to days where you just can't effing get out of bed. Yes. Because you feel so crappy. And then that's when people usually go to the doctor. Right. Because they're going to ignore it until they can't ignore it. At least in my experience, as people who were raised without a lot of emotional support, or, you know, they're raised, you know, the tough get going when the going yes. gets tough. And, you know,
0: all those other. Boys don't cry and. Be
1: yeah. A big girl Just shut up and, and, and don't
0: take bring it. Your, <laughs> don't bring your troubles to work. All
1: of those things. Oh, my favorite one is you think this hurts? Try this one. Yeah. <laughs>
0: And so we squash it all down. We squash, 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 stuff it all down, which is another form of toxicity in the body. Bingo. That festers.
1: Bingo. And sometimes it's not even our stuff. That's the thing that I discovered is most of that crap wasn't even mine. Because I am a highly sensitive, highly intuitive person. I was able to pick up the emotional vibration of the world around me. Uh, which is why very sensitive people, children, you'll notice this in children, a person will walk up and they'll immediately go, I don't want to go near that person. And you wonder, you know, Jimmy, what's wrong with you? Go say hi to uncle so-and-so. And you have to suck it up and you learn this really, really young, but it's the person and their vibrational energy that you can feel. And so there's this whole other category of person who is highly sensitive. And then you put on childhood trauma and then you put on lack of emotional support. And then, boo, look at what you got. You got what many people are suffering with and, and it becomes unsupportable and unsustainable in their thirties and forties for sure.
0: And particularly for those sensitive people, because it's the lack of emotional support, which comes across to the child as lack of understanding of who I am as a being. Or that you're,
1: input as a being is not welcome or interesting, right? That one comes along or, or, or accept- if you want to survive, you're on your own. Mm-hmm. That is a very clear message. If you want to survive, you're on your own. So therefore you are creating your own again, narrative about what things mean, which is what coming around full circle where we started and, and how th- how the world looks. And so chances are, if you have a negative narrative, you started
0: cultivating it at around age two and a half or
1: three. Right.
0: And so much of our programming in our unconscious mind that has us in the patterns and strategies that we use in our life as adults was all developed in that zero to six window. Yeah, it was. And it can, really was. for the average person, can your inner four-year-old or five-year-old run your adult life? No. Right? Not really, but it does. It often does. Exactly. And And that's where we get stuck because it can only take us so far.
1: It can. I'm one of those odd people who actually has cognitive memories of very early childhood. And I think that helped me do my own journey on my own. Like, I actually remember the moment where I learned that I could stand up and then reach for something and start cruising. So that's pretty young it is very young that's learning to walk that's like, yes. like I don't know I remember 14 months window I according to my mother it was at around six months between five and a half and six months Oh, even younger
0: that you were, yes okay. I was you pretty young. walking yet you were just pulling yourself up and holding on to things
1: yep, yep. and the um I also remember the moment in time when speech became understandable to me. It was as long before I could talk, which is also around five and a half, six months. You'll see it on a baby. Like, yeah. you know, la, la, la. like I remember one day people were going la, 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 to me and the next minute it was like, oh, look at the baby. <laughs> you understood it, yes. I understood what they were saying. It's, it's like a, a, a switch, switch that turns on. Mm-hmm. And you'll see um, there are people who now who study that. They're trying to find out when a baby's brain starts turning on. And that's about when it is. And so I can remember all those moments and I remember the formative moments and was able to unravel them. And most people don't have that access. I don't understand why my memory was so good, but it's a um, it's an interesting phenomenon to, to correlate what you remember and then think of it back and see it from this amazing bird's eye view of an adult who is a parent. And is understanding a whole other side of it, Mm -hmm. because what you ascertain as a small child is never the whole story. No, it is just what it means to you, right? And therefore, it is not the basis of a. It's not the great basis for a rule
0: to run your life. Exactly, and the reality of that too is that it's the same as an adult. We're still putting the experience through our own individual filters and Mm -hmm. creating our own reality of that experience that can be completely different to the three people that you shared that experience with. Hence, we have politics, (laughs) which we won't even delve into here. No, No, we we won't, but that's good. It's a good explanation for for the political craziness. Exactly. And what I do want to ask you just out of my own interest is, did you always have those memories or did those memories come back to you after your near-death experiences?
1: I've always had those memories. Always had them. Although I can say that the first near-death experience I had forgotten about. And then I re-remembered it after my second near-death experience.
0: And how many years apart were they?
1: Oh, gosh. Uh, the first one was when I was um, just around three years old. Okay. And the second one
0: was like when I said in my right. very early 40s. Right. Okay. So big gap. Big and- gap makes sense that what happened at three that you don't remember although sometimes we also remember trauma however you didn't remember and then you re-remembered Go I
1: remembered it I Time. mean I remembered the moment before I died and I remember the moment after but I didn't remember the experience of death and until I re remembered it and it was it, it was pretty funny
0: you <laughs> remembering <laughs>
1: Yeah, it was very It was very funny. And the, the funny thing is I was driving down the road at the time and I was like, oh my gosh, there's going to be a third one if you don't get your stuff on straight." <laughs>
0: yeah. We don't need an accident in the car right now. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty funny. And so just out of interest as well, were you in any other line of work anywhere in your career? I know that you've been highly sensitive and an empath your whole life and just you know, finding your way into that can be a difficult process for people because of the fact that you're so sensitive and not necessarily accepted. And if that's driven into you into that zero to six age group, it's potentially hard to speak about and share. And you kind of hide the gifts that you have until something happens. And then you realize this is my mission. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. And you step into it. So what were you in between? Oh, in terms of your career and so many things. This is what I want to
1: have people notice is the first thing you're going to notice is you don't feel like, like you truly belong anywhere. So therefore you have this amazing chameleon ability to shoehorn yourself into pretty much anything you want to do. So it was literally pick a year, pick a career and they were vastly and wildly disparate. And I was had some level of good success in every single damn one of them because of the highly sensitive persons. Usually they're very high in intellect. I'm not saying that I'm so smart, but a human that has the ability to track so many different things at once has to have some level of brain power. And so you can shoehorn yourself and, and put yourself into pretty much anything. So I have been in my adult life, a successful, um, Newspaper columnist. I have been a successful um, animal control director. I have been a successful uh, horse trainer. I have been a successful outside sales rep and real estate agent later on. And I mean, all, and then I stopped in the middle and became a successful homestead um, farmer where we raised everything we ate and I did it all on my own because my husband was off working. So, I mean, the difference in all of that learning curve was huge. And it's just like you fall into each one and you do it until, and this is what many people will notice, especially if they, they're they the people who like to try stuff. They'll notice that, you know, early on, whether it's going to work or not. And you'll, you, you know, you do those like three month, sometimes only three week part. And you'll go, ah, that's not the one, ah, that's not the one. And you start over. For me, I was able to shoehorn myself in until it just didn't feel like, you know, I had hit the wall. It wasn't right. me. And this particular thing that I am doing now, uh, the one that I resisted so heavily, it sort of crept in as I was doing my last traditional career, which was a real estate agent. And uh, it was during the fall, the crash of 2008, 2009, 2010, 2011, where everything became... Shrinky, 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 can't sell, can't sell. And I was able to get these, quote unquote, unsellable houses sold immediately And because I would go in, find out what the house needed to heal, <laughs> literally, <laughs> what needed to heal in the house, what energy needed to change, what flow needed to be changed, whatever it is. And within a very short period of time, they would sell. The, my favorite one was when I walked in the house, this house had been on the market for a year and 10 days. And I showed the house to one of my clients and they didn't want it as everybody else didn't want it. And the client, you know, you leave your card and the client called me and said, will you list my house? And so I walked in and went, hmm, I see what's wrong. And I went in and I just changed the energy of the whole house and changed so much. And within five hours, five whole hours of it being listed and me putting a sign out, we had an interested buyer who was ready to buy it right then and there. And it turns out um, it was a divorce sale. And the husband was, the the, the energy was so vile and right. so angry. And he had so many liens on the house. We almost couldn't get it sold. And it was him doing this crushing energy. And all I did was change that energy right. and it sold immediately. Right. And and then I went, huh, there's, this,
0: there's something to this stuff. <laughs> Huh. <laughs> there is look at that and look so that. powerful right and it, it, it shows how energies are working in our world and empaths know they're there can feel them can see them and yet there's this whole other part of the population that because they don't see it and they don't feel it they don't believe it right and yet intuitively in their unconscious mind it picks up on it and so some of these well oh, these people weren't buying because they were all picking up on it. They didn't really know why they weren't buying their conscious mind, probably made up this excuse or that excuse or this reason or that reason. They probably unconsciously knew the moment they walked in the door, I'm not buying this house.
1: You know, and I literally changed nothing inside the house, but the energy, right? We didn't paint the door a different color. We didn't do anything. All I did was change the energy of the house and lifted this heaviness that was on it. And the people weren't even living in the house anymore. They had moved on and, but he was a, you know, a violent narcissistic pig and was ex- asserting his negativity all over this house. Right. I've seen it before with a, oh, this is very interesting, a daughter who so hated her parents and delved into black magic that she had called down all kinds of negative energy to this house to the point where you almost couldn't walk into it. It was like a, almost a uh, ooh, I can't walk into it. It was one of the nicest houses in the neighborhood and it should have sold immediately. And yes, I, I changed the energy of the house. And that one was two hours later. They got an offer.
0: <laughs> I mean, seriously. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's, I mean, I come into my office every morning and I clear the energy to start my day. And with a little ritual, I didn't always do that. These are things that I'm learning along the way as I continue my education in the power of our body and our energy fields, our unconscious mind in the healing journey. Because there's so much more when we delve down this path without any negative side effects.
1: Yeah, I I, I wouldn't even like... I like to move beyond that and and not even label negative and positive. I like to move it to the point of it's not really negative and positive because that's a personal judgment for everybody. To me, it is whether it's easy or hard Mm -hmm. or whether it's effortless or it takes effort. So when I walk through life, I set my own personal field as mm-hmm. effortless, and everything that has effort can actually just move out of the way, right? And so I find that clearing energy is redundant at this point because I've set it on auto, right? To become effortless, right? And you know, for the longest time, I, my um, my information was always choose easy. And I'm like, well, that's not right. You're not supposed to choose easy.
0: <laughs> <That's> <laughs> oh, easy. yes, it is. That's exactly right. <laughs> And yet we're programmed that the easy way is the lazy way or you're cheating or whatever, right? And so that's why the we- The easy way is the way. Or the hard way, but the easy way is the way. So that's a beautiful note to shift on here. I always ask my podcast guests this question, what does don't wait for your wake up call mean to you? It
1: actually means a great deal because my wake up call was facing a life of misery, And yet, I had warnings for years that I chose to ignore. So, you can make it, you know, go back to the old proverb a stitch in time saves nine, or, you know, for the want of a nail, the the horse lost the shoe, whatever. You can use whichever adage you want, it's all the same. And so, what it means to me is get curious about when things change in your life. Don't just say, oh, well, Got to learn to play with those little hurts. Thank you, Vince Lombardi. You just need to move forward because we, we come from this culture, this patriarchal culture of what doesn't kill me make me makes me stronger,
0: exactly.
1: and we come from this suck it up and get over it culture. Both of us do, mm-hmm. and you know we we must thank the stiff upper lip of the English for that. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> so. We're going to say, no, and it has nothing to do with feminine. It has everything to do with noticing. Yes. And getting curious. And getting curious. So if something material changes, materially changes in your life, like you wake up and you have an unexplainable pain in your back, get curious, go, huh, I don't remember hurting my back. (laughs)
0: And then get curious about it. Exactly. And we can apply that everywhere. So it starts with the awareness so that you're noticing so that you can get curious. Mm -hmm. Even with things like if you go to the doctor and they tell you you have high cholesterol now and that you have to take a drug. (laughs) Get curious around why do you have high cholesterol? Because you didn't have it 10 years ago or maybe five years ago. Why do you have it now? That's a symptom.
1: It is a symptom. And you, did you know your... my husband had quote unquote high cholesterol and he came home with the drug and this was when he was 60 he's 71 now we never said a word to the doctor never did anything i helped him and now that he's like he's 71 last time we went to the doctor the
0: doctor was like, wow how come your cholesterol is normal <laughs> exactly it's a symptom you get to then look for the underlying root cause Getting curious helps you do that. Working with people that can help guide you through that process, if you can't mm-hmm. do it yourself, is a far better option than just taking a drug, which you then become dependent on for the rest of your life.
1: And, and it actually sets you up to have to go on other drugs. Exactly. So uh, that's the unfortunate thing. And and I like to look of, of you know like asking for help. That's another big taboo. And so. Yeah. If you are the kind of person who does not ask for help and must gut through it, great. Pick up self-help books. Pick up another way. Give yourself permission to notice and have more curiosity about things than just living in zombie knee-jerk, well, this will get better eventually, or not. And so here's the thing with asking for help. If you were to know everything, then why are you having a problem? Very true. Which is why people have brainstorming sessions with more than one person, which is why, you know, the very best think tanks have more than one person in them. And so you need many people's eyes in order to see the problem. And it works the exact same way for you.
0: Having someone else helps. Yes. Because you don't see, you're in tunnel vision and you don't see your own blind spots and someone else can come in and see them right away. And it also comes down to the fixed mindset and the closed mindset where the fixed mindset thinks they know everything. They don't need anyone else's help. And the the growth mindset is that I can't possibly know everything because there's so much information out there. Who do I need to seek the support from that knows what I don't know? And, and that also is an, another layer. If it is painful, your
1: three-year-old self told you, I don't ever want to see this or hear about this again. Hide this now. Yep. And so you literally can't see it if you wanted to, because you have hidden it from yourself. And that's exactly like saying, oh my God, where are my car keys? Let me go look in my neighbor's house. <laughs> it, it's impossible. So that's why you need somebody else to come in and say, look, your car keys are on the coffee table. They've been there the whole time. You can't see them because they are blue and you're wearing blue blocker glasses or something. I mean, it's that simple.
0: It is. It absolutely is. So if somebody wants to work with you and connect with you because they know they need your services, how do they get get in touch? Well, the easiest way is to go to my website, which is my
1: name.com, There are ways for you to email me or you can fill out an application to work with me and we'll get on a call together, a free call just to chat and find out what your situation is like. Um, you also can join me on my social media. My favorite one is TikTok at this time. And that is at Life underscore coach. I am Bliss Life underscore coach on Instagram as well. And I, I, I'm also in, um, on YouTube as just plain bliss life coach. So if you would like to follow along or get in touch with me, that is the easiest way. I do put out videos, little short form videos that give you tips and tricks and stuff on how to
0: do things a little differently. That's wonderful, and I'll make sure all of that is in the show notes for everyone as well. And you also have a gift for the audience—a meditation. I,
1: I do have a gift, and did I give you the email? I mean,
0: the the link for it. Yes, yes, Sally. Good. Reed at and that slash healing gift.
1: Yes, that gift is a guided meditation to help you sort of shake hands and get to know that person inside of you in case you haven't. And it gives you a window that you can look through and get curious
0: about. I love that. So I highly encourage everybody, download that meditation and listen to it once a day. Just once isn't enough. Listen to it once a day, because each time you listen to it, it will build on your ability to connect with that person inside of you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here, Sally. Are there any last messages you would like to leave with the audience?
1: My favorite thing that I love to tell people, not only choose easy, also always choose what makes your heart sore. It's mm. the easiest way to decide.
0: I love that. I love that. Thank you so much. It's been a fabulous conversation to all of my audience. Really listen to what Sally shared today. It gives you choices and possibility. And even if you don't feel like you need this work right now, you probably know someone who does. And please share this podcast with them. And thank you for always being here and tuning in. I'll be back again next week. Thank you for investing this time with me on the Don't Wait for Your Wake Up Call podcast. I'm so glad you joined in. If you can take two minutes to share this episode with someone you think can benefit and have a positive impact on their life, that would be wonderful. Please leave a review by going to your favorite podcast listening app and let me know what you enjoy or would like to hear more of. It will support me in my effort to bring the possibility of natural healing to a wider audience and help disrupt the sick care system we have today and make human health a global priority. Health is your true wealth.